You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommying While Muslim Podcast. This is Uzma Jafri. And this is Zeba Hassan um, with our new normal, right? We're recording from home in our bedrooms, um, sometimes with our PJ bottoms on, right? Like that's our new normal. No, we always did that. That's tr- that's true. That's a uh, that's a secret fact. But in an interest of time, as you can <laughs> as you can even imagine, um, we have a special guest star today um, coming on, uh, kind of talking about the uh, the elephant in the mood in the room. Um, Dr. Madad, Saira Madad is one of the feature leaders filmed on the hit Netflix docuseries Pandemic, which came out in January of this year, but was actually filmed one year ago. It's currently number seven on Netflix most watched and it literally keeps glitching every time everyone's watching it because as you can imagine, we're kind of in the state of pandemic right now. Um, Dr. Madad was noted to state um, as did with other global leaders chasing the novel viruses in hopes to stave off a pandemic that was just a matter of time before we could find ourselves unprepared to face a pandemic. Remember that this was late last year. Um, and as we all are in this new normal, we are in a state of a pandemic emergency. Uh, she happens to also be a, a Muslim mom of three beautiful children whom she's also busy protecting along with the rest of us in the world. So we just wanted to say thank you so much, Dr. Madad. I know you have a very short window because you're literally saving the world right now. So thank you so much for making time for us at Mommy Wall Muslim. Thank you for the opportunity. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you're working on right now because you do have um, this limited window of time that you so generously shared with us. Tell us what your new normal is looking like as you continue to prepare people for pandemic. Well, this is something where, you know, we've been preparing for for many years, um, not just you know, for a large scale event like this type of pandemic, but other kind of infectious disease outbreaks that can happen at, you know, a, a lower scale. But nonetheless, you know, it's this coin, uh, this, this term that we often use, uh, which we call maintaining readiness. So, and so we often say ready or not, patients will present. And what that means is that whether a hospital is ready or not, patients are going to continue to come. And so we need to make sure that across our healthcare enterprise clinics, the post-acutes, the community-based um, clinics as well, they're all prepared to take on patients that may present with a highly infectious disease. And COVID-19 is just one of many that as a nation we face. This is obviously the current global epidemic that we're facing today. Tomorrow, it may be something new. And this is where we need to just continue to make sure that we have our guard up. What's unfortunate is that we often become complacent when the sky is blue and things are all peachy, but that's exactly when we need to continue to think about and prepare for these events because they are not just uh, a huge um, toll on the human health, but as you can see what's happening around the world, there's a huge economic toll that goes along with it, a huge societal toll, a huge psychological toll. What kind of a response have you gotten as a result of being on pandemic? And not just from the general public, but also just from your kids. Like, do they finally understand what you do? So they, they understand uh 
a little bit. Um, my four and, and six year old, you know, they know that, you know, mommy works in a hospital environment and she helps people. But besides that, you know, they're, uh, they don't have much knowledge of exactly the type of work that, that I, that I do. I was just talking to my six year old the other day and he knows that this is obviously a virus that is causing him to stay home from school. Um, and he obviously describes it as a bug. It's like a bad bug. And he was saying, well, you know, I saw an ant flying. Is that something that's the same thing? So obviously, you know, his, his comprehension is a little bit different. Um, but certainly they're, they're aware of what's happening um, around them. And it is a significant event. My um, daughter that was just born eight weeks ago, I, I delivered, um, you know, second half of, of January. And then I went back to work, you know, just a few days later because of this um, epidemic at that time. Um, she obviously is born in the midst of a, of a pandemic, so she obviously she has no idea what's going on, and and I'm sure it'll be an interesting story to tell when she's much older. But you know, for for me, my day to day now is just you know full of meetings and and um, really helping uh, support our frontline staff that are uh, in the middle of this and, and facing this every single day. And as you can see around the nation, a number of uh, issues are um, are coming up, not just with, you know, personal protective equipment that our frontline staff need that we need, but a number of other significant issues that are coming up uh, regarding additional equipment and supplies. So you've heard of, we need more beds, there needs to be more ventilators, uh, the kind of the whole nine yards. And we're really very early on in this pandemic. Um, the peak is at least obviously, you know, anywhere from four to six weeks away. And what we thought uh, in terms of what we need is constantly changing every day because the number of cases are growing, not just because of our national capability uh, for diagnostic testing, it's because people are getting infected more and more. So obviously more people are, are coming and presenting to healthcare systems. And this is why we really try to educate the public of what it is that they can do to help us. Because if everybody gets sick around the same time, then we're gonna see a very significant uh, you know, um, load of morbidity and mortality. Uh, this is obviously something that we don't want to see. We want to save as many lives as possible. And so in order to do so, everybody has a role to play. It's not just about you. It's not just about your family, but it's about everybody else. And I think just to put that into just a little bit more context, right? So if you say uh, within the current coronavirus um, uh, epidemic, an individual that's infected can infect uh, up to uh, two and a half more, right? So if we say that uh, if COVID case leads is 2.5 over five days, then it, then a single case, so one person infected uh, can lead to 244 more cases over the course of a month, right? So 244 more cases from just one person. So if we implement social distancing measures and people actually abide by it, then we can hopefully have that reproduction, uh, reproductive rate in half to hopefully 1.25 new infections over the course of a month. And hopefully then that's just, you know, about four new cases. And so this is giving you an idea of how effective social distancing can be. And this is why people need to understand that we all play a role in this. Kudos to you for being on the front line of this and literally being the face of um, the, the literally the first responders. Like I can't even imagine like Uzba's in the medical field and we have, I have a lot of um, family members also in the medical field and we're all, they're all trying to do the best that they can to kind of keep them people alive. So the least we could do as a public society is, you know, 
put our pajamas on and watch Netflix, like I think I will be okay with that. But, you know, the one question I did want to say, because I know you have such a short period of time that I have a lot of my friends asking me about school. Obviously, yesterday, the Virginia governor totally canceled school for the end of the year. I kind of knew it was coming, but it was still like a punch in the stomach when you actually hear it. Is that one, is that necessary? And are we going to go back to school anytime soon? Because I know a lot of parents are very worried about this. So uh, you obviously raise a, an excellent question and an excellent point, and you know that's on the mind of every parent. And you know, just looking at the the sheer force of this current global pandemic, we are nowhere near the end. There will be an end in sight, but it's not in the near term right now. Um, like I said, this is just really the beginning of this epidemic that we're seeing. Um, and so in terms of how long or how much longer, uh, this could go well into 2021 until we have a vaccine available. In terms of school closures and social distancing and the cancellation of mass gatherings, we need to make sure that we're continuing to implement these for at least you know a few more weeks to months, because again, uh, you know our our, our two um, you know long term goals is obviously making sure we don't overwhelm hospitals and that we are keeping the number of cases um, to a minimum to reduce morbidity and mortality. So in terms of school closures, um, I don't think it would be surprising if a number of uh, additional school districts continue to close uh, for the remainder of the year. What we'll probably see is that we're going to see a spike in cases in the next you know, four to six weeks, and then you'll see kind of a downward trend, but then you're going to see it uptick again. So you're going to see another wave. And so this is going to continue to happen again until we have a good vaccine or therapeutic um, available. Um, and so we're in this for the, for the long run, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, this is something that we just have to continue to to endure, if you will. We know there's going to be um, disruption to daily life that obviously we're, we're, go we're living through it right now. Um, and this is going to continue on for at least a few more weeks. And you probably heard President Trump and another elected official saying, well, we're going to open up the economy in two weeks. So really what that's going to happen is we're going to reassess in two weeks. And it's always good to reassess. So every couple of weeks we have to reassess the situation and see where we're at. But we should not take our foot off the pedal in terms of opening up uh, schools and, uh, you know, limiting social distancing, because as soon as we do that, you're going to see another surge of cases even more. Um, and that is something that we don't want, because, again, the whole goal is we really want to reduce the number of new chains of infection and not overwhelm healthcare systems. So when, God forbid, our grandma, our mother, or even us need to use the healthcare system, there is a bed available. There are staff there to help us. And if that doesn't happen, then obviously we're going to see uh, much more sickness and, and death. I appreciate your candor on that so much because I feel like nobody wants to hear it. So we're so, so thankful to have the real news because with these hour and a half long press conferences on CNN, like they're not teaching the American public anything because they're just walking circles around the real answer. So I, we really appreciate that. Um, as a, a physician myself, who's going into work today <laughs> into a nursing home, um, I'm on a lot of uh, doc mom forums and these women healthcare on the front lines today, they want to know what they should do because a lot of them have families. Um, they want to know 
what they should do with their vulnerable elders who often are helping them um, in, t- in terms of childcare, um, with the lack of PPE that's going on, with the lack of resources and the ever-changing guidelines that the hospitals are setting up for healthcare workers. What advice do you have for these frontline healthcare workers with families? It's a very unfortunate situation. And this is why we need to make sure that we are focusing on the front lines because these are the people that obviously are saving uh, grace, if you will. They're, they're the, the, these are our heroes on the front lines, you know, helping everybody. And certainly you raise a, an excellent point. And, you know, what we constantly teach the general public of these everyday measures of protecting ourselves and protecting others obviously apply to our frontline staff as well. And obviously we're in the midst of a huge shortage of personal protective equipment. And so everybody obviously needs to do what they can to obviously protect themselves. And then obviously making sure that when they're coming home to their families, they're not spreading um, the, the given virus. And so when we talk about these everyday measures, you know, I have a lot of obviously um, frontline friend, clinician, clinicians myself um, that, you know, we're trying to figure out what can we do to make sure that our family is safe. So when we come home, you know, we don't bring this home. And, you know, a lot of us, what we're doing is just making sure that, you know, we're changing our, 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 our attire, um, our clothes um, before we're interacting with our family. We're constantly washing our hands, cleaning high touch surfaces. And then, in, um, you know, in New York, one of the things that's implemented is every single healthcare worker needs to continue to text their temperature twice a day, right? So regardless of whether you've been in contact with somebody that's suspected or even confirmed, we need to continue to monitor our own health. Because again, we don't know uh, if someone coming in uh, through the doors has COVID or has seasonal flu. Right now, we're operating under the pretense that everybody coming in through the doors that has influenza-like illness has COVID-19. Because of that, we need to make sure that all healthcare workers are constantly monitoring themselves. And as soon as we become symptomatic, that we know we need to make sure that we isolate ourselves and that way we're not obviously infecting um, others around us. But it's, it's, a, it's a very hard kind of um, walk to, to walk, if you will, um, obviously coming home to, to our families. I know a lot of friends that have just sent their um, loved ones um, away. So that way, you know, there's less of a possibility of infecting them. But we obviously a lot of us don't have the luxury to do that. And so this is where we need to make sure that when we're coming home, that obviously we're constantly washing our hands, we're cleaning the high touch surfaces. If we think we're sick, we're isolating ourselves and keeping our loved ones um, away. Uh, unfortunately, that's really kind of the, the best strategy. The other thing is making sure that we're also healthy. So the other thing that I tend to tell people is, of course, we're talking about social distancing and we're talking about these everyday measures, but there's two additional things that everybody needs to do besides that. And the other third thing is first staying informed. And when I say staying informed, knowing the facts, knowing what is true and what is not. So I even have clinicians myself that obviously don't have the right information because they're reading reports and going to media and uh, thinking that, um, you know, there's a, 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 you know, a magic bullet that they can take and, and they'll be cured. And then you hear President Trump saying all these nonsense things, nonsense things, unfortunately, that is actually having a huge impact. Um, so staying informed, knowing to go to credible sources and educating yourself on the true facts. And then the fourth is staying healthy, because as you know, as a clinician yourself, you know, if you're healthy, you have a better outcome. So those people that obviously have underlying health conditions, if you have asthma, if you have hypertension, if you have diabetes, making sure that you are taking your medication and you are healthy, because obviously, again, those that are healthy have a much better outcome. Um, and so making sure that you're doing those things as well. What is it that you are the most proud of in your participation in the Netflix series, Pandemic? 
Well, my, my, uh, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is I'm part of a, a team that is educating and trying to maintain the state of readiness, not just in the state of New York, but across the nation. I'm obviously, uh, uh, it, it takes a village to do what I do, so I'm certainly not alone. I have amazing colleagues that are part of this team uh, here at the city level, at the state level, and even at the national level, uh, and even in, at the international level. We launched a global health center, and so it is a privilege and honor to be working uh, among such amazing individuals that are dedicated, um, that want to fight the good fight, if you will. Um, and so my proudest moment uh, in the Netflix series, series is really showcasing some of that amazing work that my team is doing on a day-to-day -day basis um, and helping uh, the greater good of humanity because we need to make sure that we have more people in these fields to continue the work that we're all doing. Well, I have to say, as, as a mother of a daughter myself, I love that you are um, a role model for um, Muslim youth all over the place, uh, specifically as we are a Muslim mom podcast. And I know you have a hard stop because you're out saving the world. So we wanted to say thank you for joining us today on Momming While Muslim and good luck. And we're praying for you and let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on the show. I'm like, the fact that we're getting it straight straight from her mouth saying that we're literally not even at the beginning parts of this. Um, I do have to say when I heard that, um, I, it was kind of like a punch in my stomach. I'm not going to lie. That's a little bit stressful. I mean, we're already stressed, but actually hearing it from the experts that we're just in the beginning stages of this, like how, how did you take that news, Osma? I, I knew it was. I mean, that's the truth. That's how epidemiology works. So I was like, all major like plagues and pandemics like this take a year to a year and a half, 12 to 18 months is what we're looking at. But nobody will say that on the news because that has such significant implications for public health, such huge implications for the economy. We already see yesterday that a bill died in the Senate for individual assistance to Americans because our current administration is worried about bailing out big business like they've done before. And I see why both are necessary. But right now, like my concern is for those people. And I mean, this is just my soapbox for today. Let me just tell you, um, I'm worried about the individual families who are no longer able to go to work and they were maybe hourly people. They don't have the luxury of telemedicine or teleconferencing or working from home. They can't work anymore and they need significant financial assistance to get through the next year. Um, and it's uh, there are financial grants currently available through Penny Appeal USA. They have created a launch good campaign so that we can help families get through this time financially. Um, many Muslim organizations across the country are raising funds to deliver groceries to these families who, you know, they don't have the option of going and picking it up because they can't afford it anyway. Um, so I would highly encourage all of us um, moms who um, have so much, alhamdulillah, to give to these kinds of appeals. Penny Appeals link is in our Instagram and Facebook stories. You can look them up online. If you need additional help, we'll pop it into our show notes for today so that you can go and make that assistance possible for other families. No, that's so great. Because honestly, we're at and a virtual hug for you because I know that that's two days of bad news for you. I know. I'm just like, what? I um, mean, the first day of news was, um, yes, yeah, school is out for us. Um, 
And I get it, like from from an intellectual perspective, like in reading about, um, like to your point, epidemics and epidemiology, and we're all becoming minor experts in our own way because we're like obsessively reading. And honestly, like even Osman and I chatted about it. To be to be blunt, that we're like, you know, we don't want to make every single podcast about this. And you know, our hopes is like moving forward. You know, we will try to come back to our regular scheduled program, as we say. But the reality is, this is our life right now and to kind of sweep it under the rug to act like it's not happening is not going to work for other people. Um, so our our job and our hope is to provide some of these uh, virtual resources, virtual help to our audience, um, whether you're local or not, because obviously we're all going to be a little bit stir crazy. Life as we know it has changed and altered. Um, this is definitely one for the, for the history books for sure. Um, on a pr- you know, and on a personal note, I have to say I am enjoying the time with my family. I hate admitting that out loud. Like, I know I'm supposed to be sad about it, but really it allows us an opportunity to kind of slow down, regroup, reassess how we are as a family unit. So I feel like I'm just going to keep focusing on the positive because really at the end of the day, the larger things we can't control. So, um, I'm going to leave that into God's hands and to experts um, like Syrah and yourself and all these people that are on the forefront. And again, thank you to everybody, including the cashiers at Safeway, because, you know, they are essential employees. And right now, without them, we can't be fed. So that's just another thing and in, in, in concept of perspective is seeing or wipe who, our butts. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, toilet paper. Mariam came out, uh, had a live this week um, on our on our group page. And she was talking about a story about the kids, you know, unraveling the toilet paper. And it literally was like, cringe, you know, like, oh, my God, you know what you could do with that toilet paper. But the, the life as we know, it really has changed and altered. So what are the things that you're implementing in your household to lower the anxiety? keep the stress level at bay and to maintain your sanity being with your children probably a little bit more because I know you're still fighting the fight um, on the front lines but how are you enjoying or, or what are you doing differently than you have done before well one of the things that I did do was sit the kids down and talk to them about you know especially after seeing what was happening at the grocery stores and what's happening at Costco's and the Sam's Clubs I was letting the kids know I was like you know I I think this is going to be a long time yet, guys, and we need to start thinking about conserving our resources, finishing the food that Allah sent us, you know, on the day he sent it and not saying, oh, it's gross. I have that, you know, you have that one kid who won't eat anything, right? Because there's nothing to eat in the house. And we have like every good subcontinental family, we have a giant fridge and a deep freeze in the garage. So that has been my entire parenting career. I've had those. Um, And they're always stocked. Alhamdulillah. I mean, like I, I am so grateful that they are. But what I explained to the kids was there will come a time when we will have to start rationing stuff. Um, I have shelf-stable milk. Um, I have lots of water. I think those are the critical things that I need to have for my kids. And I explained to them, like, all these shelf-stable items that you think are just in the pantry to go grab and go whenever you don't like what Ami cooks fresh, um, that's not going to be there. So now they're like, 
oh, well, we can't really eat the eggs because we have to save them. Or can I put milk in my cereal because we're going to run out of milk and we need to save it. So they've already started that kind of rationing talk. So the things that are changing is we are cleaning our plates at dinner for the most part. It's not 100%, but they're getting a lot better about it. They're um, much more cognizant of um, breaking into the snack cabinet because, yes, I have not locked up my snacks as you you have. Um, Girl, you got to lock that up. But they're being good about rationing right now because they understand the pretzels may not be there for the long run, you know? I, you, it's surprising to see the chip aisles so empty in the stores because I'm like, in nine months, even if corona gets solved, we will now have a pandemic diabetic crisis. You I know. Because I'm like, you guys are not supposed to eat chips a- during a pandemic. What are you doing? Keep your body I do, I do. I do have to say we're focusing on the fresh food right now, like super fresh, super healthy um, while we have it yeah, yeah but while we have it like and that's what I keep telling the kids and they've been cooperating I'm like guys while we can do it we're gonna eat the fresh foods as much as we possibly can uh, and right before we started recording I opened up the snap cabinet for five minutes they were allowed to go grab a snack for five minutes <laughs> to let them get it and then I locked it up because quite frankly these suckers are eating me out of house and home I'm like I cannot you guys are eating all day but I'm trying to make light of a, obviously a very heavy situation, but I'm just going to keep choosing and focusing on not, not being negative about it and, and focusing on the fact that like our carbon footprint is going down. I'm not driving that obviously not many places. If I have to go somewhere, I'm like, I just go to the store, come home, de de disinfect myself and then move on. Um, I think Dr. Um, Mother actually made a really good point in changing your clothes when you walk in the door and, um, that's a big thing. People wash their hands and they're thinking they're fine, but it's really all the stuff that you have on you and you're sitting in your places. And yeah, so we made a habit. We were always uh, already in that habit of doing that. Um, cause I always had littles at home. So just going to keep trying to be focused and, and more positive. I'm definitely meditating and doing yoga a lot more to handle my own stress. What are you doing to handle the stress? Cause you're getting it from multiple places right now. Um, I don't think I'm doing anything different for the stress. I just, you know, it's really just Iman, right? Like it's kind of a less promise. You're sleeping more. I know that. And that's my big thing for you. Yes. I'm going to bed earlier, except for this like weekend when I was like binge watching pandemic finally, cause I had avoided it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, Syra agreed to come on. Like now I got to watch this show. So I did stay up late for that, but otherwise going to bed a little bit earlier, taking care of my body. Cause I'm, you know, I know that I tend to get sick when I, my immunity goes down, obviously everybody's does when you don't get enough sleep. So I'm doing that. I'm crashing on the couch with, uh, during the day with a nap. The kids now have eight hours a day on electronics because I, that's my mental health. You know, if they're going to be in my face and say, I'm bored, you know, and they're using it for good things. Like they, um, had virtual play dates already. They have started a virtual book club. Um, their teacher is meeting them online. So I'm like, this is totally, you know, this is for their psychological well-being too. So their um, their limits on electronics have now been lifted, you know, within means. And I do it. I'm not. I'm not sorry for it at all. You know, I do notice that my daughter has um, a reaction to too much screen time, so she might be the one where I pull back. But if I pull hers back, I have to pull everybody's back. So we'll see how that goes. My mental health, I don't think, has been affected that I know of yet. Again, because 
you know, I, I feel like this is a promise of Allah. Uh, so religiously, I feel very at peace with it. And then scientifically, I feel at peace with it too. I feel like, you know, there's a process of natural selection that tends to happen every generation. And unfortunately it fell during ours. So as long as my kids and my parents stay healthy, um, that, you know, my husband's parents stay healthy, I think we'll be fine. Like that's just, we just have to do our very best. And like you said, if the hardest thing we have to do is wear our sweatpants and binge on Netflix, like that's not you know, you're not wearing a cape and going out to face the sickness. You're being asked to stay home and avoid it. I think that's, that's, that's also a significant contribution that each individual can make. Yeah. As long as we periodically put on regular pants, like, like we were talking about, like put on your pants girl so that we know (laughs) that we're still fitting in them at the end of this situation. I'm choosing to use this time, right? Like to periodically be like, okay, I haven't put my clothes on in a while. Maybe I should check this out. No, but the, the truth of the matter is like, we're trying to really focus on like what we're doing to stave off. Cause you know, I've been pretty open with my, um, dealing with my own personal anxiety and things like that. And one of the major things that I've been doing more actually increase more because we have extra time is more yoga, more meditation, more working out together as a family. Like um, my husband was just talking about it the other day. We have this, um, the Peloton. He's like, I've definitely doubled my numbers. And so if there's a, a silver lining at the end of the world is that I get to play, you know, with my younger two, we're cuddling more. I'm not rushing to try to get to the next activity, next activity. We're having open and frank conversations with our teenagers that are normally not around, you know? So I'm going to choose to focus on, uh, on this as we're, we're doing the best that we can. If we're going to help save society, yeah, we're going to be inconvenienced. And honestly, that's pretty much what it is. We're not like trying to save our own personal lives. Like we as Americans are, are inconvenienced at this point in time. I'm going to take one for the team and do what I need to do um, and try to help people on the front lines as much as I can. So my takeaway with Syrah is one, we've been in, we're going to be in here for a while. And two, we really truly have to um, do the social distancing, even if it means we're moving virtually for a while. And what I appreciate with her interview today is just the rounding out of our entire month of points of view. We've brought several different points of view, not just on board the Momming Mom Muslim team, but, you know, to our audience in terms of, you know, talking about like last week's episode was a episode for me. Like it was really emotionally trying. That's my worst nightmare. Um, and to know that there are moms that have lived through it and shown their resilience. I think this is a, an excellent opportunity for the rest of us to demonstrate our resilience um, through how we handle this current pandemic crisis. And I think we can make it less of a crisis and more of a regular part of our day to, for the first time in a long time for some of us, consider other people before ourselves. Like um, my favorite hadith, uh, Muslim, uh, uh, no one is truly a believer until he wants for him, his brother, what he wants for himself. And I feel like if we just live that, you know, if we live that and demonstrate that right now, inshallah ta'ala, there will be a cure. He will relieve us um, of the crisis part of it. And, you know, it'll be back to our normal in a shorter time. So really it's a time to get down on our knees and say, Sorry, Allah, for everything that I crapped up on. I will take care of my neighbor. I will take care of my brother. Um, 
I will, I will, I will execute the duty that you gave me. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is taking care of our earth and being more mindful. And, you know, obviously this, what they talk about actually exists. Like this is. Don't use all the toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. Don't use all the toilet Guess what, guys? We've been using it for for our non-Muslim people watching. There's a thing called a lota or, you know, you can use that, which is a watering can, a bidet, a bidet. instead of toilet paper. So you will survive, I promise you, because we've been doing it for centuries and it, it'll be okay. You might actually enjoy it a little bit better. But the one thing that for us, the Mommy Wall Muslim team, we've definitely had to think a little bit outside of the box and how we're going to reach out to you. So one of the fun things that we've done is d- done some of the chai chats and made it virtually. So you'll be hearing um, from us, whether you like it or not, uh, a couple times per week from all of our team members and, and giving a little bit of our perspectives and how we're handling it. Um, because we were talking about it the other day, we have 16 kids <laughs> between us, which is a whole chunk of kids. And we're all dealing with different types of scenarios and um, and again, doing the best that we can. So we want to bring, we want to allow everybody the opportunity to forgive themselves. And we're all doing the best that we can. So that is my takeaway today, Uzma. Any fun stuff that we're bringing up in the pipelines? We're going to be heading right into our Ramadan talk because now we have to think outside the box for Ramadan. And for some of us, our Ramadan is going to look way different than it has before. And we will make it um, important for our kids and memorable and one for the history book. So stay tuned for more of that. I actually have to go make lunch for my kids because guess what? They are knocking on my door right now. But in they're tr- home. They're home. And they're like, where awesome. is our kana? Let's eat food right now. So I'm going to go make some kebabs. But um, until next time, thank you for watching. Mami wa Muslim. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum, everybody. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma and Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.